The following talk was given at the Insight Meditation Center in Redwood City, California. Please visit our website at audiodharma.org. Thanks. Is this on? Okay. You guys got a lot going on here. There's a lot going on. Teat sprout meditation. I like that. I guess this is good. I can't hear myself, so that's good. As long as you can hear me. You can hear me in the back? Okay. Volume's good. All right. I was running late. It's hard to be mindful and all spiritual meditative when you're doing 100 down 85 to get here to give a Dharma talk on time. It was, it was a challenge. I think I handled it fairly well. It's pretty much the story of my life, you know, in and out of mindful awareness with spurts of, you know, franticness and craziness. Is it on? Are we recording right? Okay. (laughs) You can edit that part out. No, just joking. So the title of my talk today um, is What is Happening? So it's, that's it. It's what's happening. Or for you Spanish speakers, que onda? Right. Because what is happening? Driving 100 miles down the freeway, you guys are sitting quietly here. The mind is still the mind, doing all the things that it does. So what's happening? Have you figured it out yet? Have you? What's happening? We are not our thoughts. We are not our feelings. It sounds like, it sounds like a statement, but it's really a question. And a statement. And a truth. And what's happening. We are not our thoughts. We are not our feelings. I remember sitting, uh, probably my first... My first uh, spirit rock retreat. And about five days in, uh, Robert Hall, a wonderful teacher, someone that I've uh, really just looked up to as far as his teaching style and his way of being. Anyway, Robert looks at it, comes out, you know, kind of like I just did here. And, but we're five days deep, you know. And says, did you figure it out yet? (laughs) We're all, no. And then he said that that same teaching, we're not our thoughts, we're not our feelings. And something just, just clicked, that I've been chasing my thoughts and my feelings for the last five days, just trying to identify, identify, identify. And then something fell away. I hope that happens for you or has happened for you. It's like seeing the movie, you know. The Buddha, the Buddha called it the magic show. You know, seeing through the veil 
of illusion. But this is what meditation is for. The magic show of mental and emotional content arising and passing away. I love that you guys uh, here have this kind of morning where you have two meditation periods, you know, or three, really, if you conclude the walking, you know, which I do, but some people don't. Some people think it's break time, which it is, you know, break from sitting. Anyway, there's this arising and passing away so rapid. The Buddha talked of the development of mindfulness, saying, you know, it's better to have lived a single day seeing the rapid arising and passing away of all phenomena than to live a hundred years not seeing. How's that going? Seeing the rapid arising and passing away of all phenomena. Glimpses, right? Moments. I remember this um, morning. Well, there were several mornings, but I was at this one monastery uh, in southern Thailand. Uh, It was... uh, Buddha Dasa Bhikkhu's um, kind of retreat center across the street from his monastery is like a hermit hermitage. And um, I would get up crack of dawn. So it was like four, maybe somewhere 3.34. I was usually sleeping till the last bell. And then I would get up and I would just be groggy. And you, you know, there's just, just a water bucket. That's, that's your everything. <laughs> and... Uh, I'd splash water on my face and kind of stumble down this path and the light, light was just coming up and I would sit. And there was this like, this one particular morning where there was something that just opened up and there was some clarity there that I had never really, it was like a, a new clarity, you know. And had I not got up and stumbled to the water bucket and splashed water on my face to go and get that sit, that might not have happened, but it did. I don't remember what the clarity was. <laughs> I just remember that it was there. <laughs> that's, the beauty, that's the beauty of the mind, right? So there are several things happening right now. And throughout the day, from moment to moment. And we, there's these kind of like the one I just described, there's these moments where there's a little bit more clarity, but really the clarity is just kind of, for me, uh, it's just the right conditions. You know. So what's happening? We can break this down. I like to break it down. There are sense con- so what is happening? Let's just, let's, well, that's what we're going to break down. Sense contact, right? The feeling of contact on the skin, chair, heaviness, weight. Seeing, sense contact. Feeling tones. There's some kind of feeling tone. You might not be able to feel it. It might be a little off. That's the part where 
it really takes that kind of mental clarity and that kind of uh, uh, moment, really some mindfulness developed, which leads to some kind of perception, which then leads to some kind of mental fabrication, right? So that's really all that's happening. Sorry. Sense contact, feeling tone, which leads to some kind of perception, the way things, the way we think things are, based on our own causes and conditions, which then leads to some mental fabrication. We call it story sometimes, or identity sometimes. So I think in meditation, this is really our kind of, uh, in, vi- in Vipassana, this is our... Mm, aim is to can we just stay there but we don't right (laughs) can we recognize the mental fabrications and maybe uh, be aware of them or catch them before they run off in some story because there's this two other layers right there's what's happening right there's what's happening about what's happening and then there's what's not actually happening And then there's what's happening about what's not actually happening. (laughs) And unfortunately, that's where we spend a lot of our time. If we're kind of lost in what's happening about what's not actually happening. This is the, you know, the replaying. So I'll break those down a little bit. So what's happening about what's happening? All the thoughts and the emotions that arise based on present time experience. That's What's happening about what's happening? So then there's what's not actually happening. I think we all know this one really well. Stories, hurts, mistreatments, fantasies, sometimes called proliferation or proliferation of thought, rumination. Uh, The Buddha called it papancha. That same... Well, maybe I'll talk about that in a minute. Papancha. I love that word. I almost got it tattooed on me. I think I talked about another word I almost got tattooed on me last time I was here. So what's happening about what's not actually happening? What's happening about what's not actually happening? You know, feelings, feeling tones based on the thoughts of past which which create emotion, right? So, uh, uh, and when we cling to these kind of uh, stories, then we suffer. So again, back to the what's happening. Uh, From the Buddhist perspective, um, if we can stay with this sense contact, present time awareness, allowing feeling tone to arise and pass away, regardless of whether it's pleasant unpleasant or neither, then we're good. This is kind of the Buddhist perspective. This is Vipassana. This is present time awareness. Some words from the Dhammapada. The mind, hard to control, flighty, Alighting where it wishes, one does well to tame. The disciplined mind brings happiness. 
the mind hard to see, subtle, alighting where it wishes, the sage protects. The watched mind brings happiness. It's from the Dhammapada. I love the Dhammapada's teachings because they're eloquent, they're poetic, they're direct. There's a, there's a, a clear instruction in each teaching. Check it out sometime if you don't already. So my version of uh, that is this mind is out of control and highly inappropriate most of the time, right? That's my experience anyway. And then in Vipassana, you know, we're not trying to stop our minds from thinking, nor are we uh, engaging our minds as an enemy. I think there's this, there's some miscommunication about that or misunderstanding. It's like, stop thinking, stop thinking. And, you know, I get asked that a lot, actually. Instead, you know, we're trying to befriend our thoughts and overcome our preoccupation with them. That's really what's being pointed to. I would say, and actually Ajahn Chah would say, we're addicted to our thinking. We're addicted to thinking. And I actually heard Gil say about maybe 10, 15 years ago, uh, first time I met him, uh, we have thoughts, we have heads on top of our heads. We think about thinking, right? We think about thinking about thinking. And this is where we get lost. This is the what's not actually happening that we get preoccupied with sometimes. We have heads on top of our heads. (laughs) Mindfulness is clear and silent awareness that we are thinking. So we're not trying to stop the mind from thinking. I get I get a lot of questions about that, you know. Not trying to stop our minds from thinking. Meditation is a fierce practice in the way that it reveals the stark reality of our everyday mind. The stark reality of our everyday mind. When you go on retreat and you sit, you're sitting with your thoughts. You're sitting with your feelings. There's that constant reality. And so when we're doing something like this, like a day and you have a couple sessions, it's great. It's great great to have a center like this you can come to regularly and practice or at home if you have a morning practice or an evening practice but the stark reality is that we're constantly murmuring muttering scheming or wondering to ourselves under our breath comforting ourselves all day long it's conditioned it's no one's fault we're not to blame our internal life is constantly preoccupied with the voices of I like this or I don't like that. She hurt me. How can I get this? More of that. No more of that. It's this constant push and pull. And it's just kind of like in the background, yeah? Psychiatrists call it uh, intrusive voices. Yeah? Schizophrenia. 
I just call it the mind. I work with schizophrenics. And I, use, I got a new understanding of the word delusion from a Buddhist perspective and from a mental health perspective. Not much different, actually. It's just what we think we're delusional about versus being delusional about what we're delusional about. Seeing clearly, that's what this practice is about. This is all an attempt. All of this kind of mummering and chattering the back of our minds. This identifying, this meing, this myeing. It's all an attempt to find pleasure and comfort. Right? I mean, who doesn't want pleasure and comfort? Even this meditation practice is really about finding pleasure and comfort. Finding pleasure and comfort in not needing pleasure and comfort. Letting it go. So the other side of that, pleasure and comfort, is avoiding discomfort or the unpleasant. So Vipassana takes this untrained, everyday mind as a natural starting point. You know, and gives a clear and systematic way of developing awareness of this process. Mindful awareness takes this unexamined mind and opens it up by not trying to change anything, but by observing the mind, the emotions, and the body just the way they are. One of Ajahn Samedo's uh, teachings is, uh, right now it's like this. It's just like this. So as I'm driving 100 down the freeway, it's like this. Feeling stressed out. Thinking, actually what I did is I actually envisioned all of you just sitting here as I was driving and I, I was able to just, I was like, okay, well I can meditate right now, can't I? And I did. Except for my uh, navigation thing. It was like, turn left here. So I just was following direction. Right now I'm turning left. So people often misunderstand this third foundation of mindfulness. Uh, this kind of mindfulness of thinking. The mindfulness of the, of the mental formations is the third foundation of mindfulness. They often misunderstand that as to um, what should we do? You know, people ask me, am I supposed to stop thinking? Or should I just ignore my thoughts? So at first, we often say, this, th- those two questions might have come up at some point or right now in your life. Is that true? Raise your hand if those two questions have, have one of those two questions have come up. They've definitely come up for me. So at first, I often say, yes, yeah, we're trying to stop thinking. We're trying to avoid our thoughts. This is to break the, our addiction. Because what happens, right? 
the mind, flighty, alighting where it wishes. A sage does well to tame. Words from the Buddha. So we're learning to tame the mind in meditation practice, in vipassana. Could take lifetimes. Just saying. <laughs> so Gil gave me this practice, actually. I don't know. He, he might talk about it. I'm not sure. Uh, I was on retreat with him once and um, some years ago at Vajrapani, actually. And I was just obsessive. I had this just a repetitive, obsessive story. And it was just playing out day after day after day. And I was just like, Gil bad and he gave me this not now practice he, he just said not now just every time it comes up just say not now not never just not now so that is the way i like to really work with that um it's been so helpful for me over the years because the not now it's like gives a little there's like a little forgiveness of like later when we're not meditating, we could think all you want on that. So you give the mind permission. Right? So that's the way I like to work with uh, the breaking of the cycle. Same with any kind of addiction, actually. Gambling addiction, not, not now. Right? Shopping addiction, not now. My mom, uh, she got real, I don't know if it, I'd say addicted, but to the QVC, the kind of on shopping network, horrible people. They really, they just target, you know. Luckily, she doesn't have a credit card. But I had to say, stop, Mom. Every time, every time it comes on and you see that, you know, emerald something or other, just say, not now. You know, not now. And she said it worked for a while. (laughs) Till around November, right? And then she starts prepping for Christmas. So the other, once we kind of establish a not now practice and we're able to actually calm the mind, you know, then we actually turn, this is the third foundation, right? So then we turn our attention toward the mind. We check in with repetitive thoughts. We're not saying ignore them. But what we are saying is look beneath them. And I think this is a lot of what happens. This has happened for me and you know other people I talk to, as we get so caught up in the story that we don't actually check in with what's going on underneath. Why? Because it's scary. Just like any other of our avoidance practices that we go through life avoiding this feeling or that feeling, this reality, that reality. Buddhism says, take a look. It's a fierce practice. It's a warrior practice. I've said that before. So, to pay attention to what's actually happening. And there's this storehouse of emotion uh, and unresolved situations. If we can drop below the story and actually look at 
and allow what is underneath. That's actually, I I believe, where freedom is, where the healing comes from. It's this constant repetitive kind of papancha, right? This, This repetitive thinking, this addictive thinking, thinking about thinking that actually avoids or keeps us distracted from our own like healing, from our own freedom. Thought, what I wrote is, thought may have an emotional undercurrent. Thought does have an emotional undercurrent. And that's what I believe is helpful in this practice of kind of dropping the la- the layers. What was it? Aya, Aya Tataloka just a while ago was teaching at my group in San Jose. I have a group in San Jose, Dharma Punk's group. You're all welcome to come Thursday night. And we were talking about consciousness. So from the psychological perspective too, there's consciousness. There is subconsciousness. And then there's what's called the unconscious, right? And that mindfulness or vipassana uh, brings the, the level of consciousness down into the subconscious, revealing subconsciousness right? so that we can then deal with it. And what also happens is then we begin to see that emotional undercurrent, which is often the unconscious, arising up to the subconscious. So mindfulness, as the Buddha would say, is all helpful. See, here's the connection, though. It's not a cognitive process, right? We're not trying to figure it out. That's papancha. There's plenty of time to figure things out, not during meditation. That's what's being talked about here. Sylvia Bornstein uh, calls this the moral inventory machine of the mind. The moral inventory machine of the mind. Just sit. It'll all come up. Don't worry about it. We don't need to figure anything out. If you can sit and breathe and follow just right now, it's like this. There's this Zen... uh, saying stop thinking and talking and there's nothing you can't know i love that third third zen patriarch stop thinking and talking and there's nothing you can't know i think it says cannot know but you know So our feelings influence our perception of how we see things. Now then we create a belief based on that feeling. And even a self based on that feeling. I am. This is all part of the strategy, right? It's, about sur- it's the strategy to survive and to feel safe. For a time, you know, it might have been a useful strategy. It was definitely a useful strategy for me. 
avoiding pain, seeking pleasure, was a useful strategy for me for a number of years. Then it outserved its usefulness. In some ways, it keeps us trapped in this idea of familiar, predictable, safe, and painful. Familiar, predictable, safe, and painful. This is the identification with our stories. So I've seen, you know, in my own practice or in helping others. Habits of Mind by Mahagosananda, considered the uh, Gandhi of Cambodia. You guys familiar with Mahagosananda's teaching? His book, Step by Step. Beautiful, beautiful teacher. You've probably heard this before, though. The thought manifests as word. The word manifests as deed. The deed develops into habit. Habit hardens into character. Character gives birth to destiny. So watch your thoughts with care and let it spring from love born out of respect for all beings. Mahagosananda is saying, be aware of your thoughts because they make your world. But really he's breaking it down. Actually, there's another teaching from the Buddha. Maybe I can find it real quick. If not, I'll I'll move on. Mm-mm-mm. Ah, again from the Dhammapada. So let's see if you can see the de- similarity here. We are what we think. All that we are arises with our thoughts. With our thoughts, we make the world speak or act with an impure mind, and trouble will follow you as the wheel follows the ox that draws the cart. We are what we think. All that we are arises with our thoughts. With our thoughts, we make the world speak or act with a pure mind, and happiness will follow you as your shadow, unshakable. How can a troubled mind understand the way? Your worst enemy cannot harm you as much as your own thoughts unguarded. But once mastered, no one can help you as much, not even your father or your mother. I remember when I first heard this, this particular translation, and I thought, pure mind. It's impure and pure. That sounds so, I don't know, religious. But what I believe the Buddha is talking about, actually, and in that particular translation, when, he, when it's talking about purity, is this kind of clear mind. Seeing clearly, without the obstruction of greed, hatred, and delusion. Doesn't mean not thinking. Just means kind of uh, the ability to really see clearly and not get lost in the obsessive uh, need that can come out of, um, you know, the untrained mind. 
So this, hap- this practice uh, helps us to see these patterns, right? And in time, learn new ways to respond rather than to react to a situation. There's another uh, poem that I love. O mind, you carry on your back. Your actions are like a heavy sack. No wonder that your shoulders ache. Another strains enough to break your neck. So drop that stupid load. This is the last stop on the road where you can find rest, stay, be love's guest. That's from Kabir. Oh, this mind you carry on your back. Your actions are like a heavy sack. That reminds me of Sylvia saying, the moral inventory machine of the mind, just sit, it'll all come up. Drop that stupid load. Stop identifying with your thoughts. Is there another way? If we didn't identify with all that we thought, then what? Maybe there'd be some room. So the awareness of mindfulness allows us to move beyond our outdated patterns of reacting out of fear or anger or resentment. You know, mindfulness brings us the freedom of choice. The freedom of choice, the freedom to choose. Often our thoughts are based on rehashing or or rehearsing, right? Worry, regret pleasure-seeking through fantasy or memory, avoidance of physical pain and or emotional anguish. Learning to let go of thoughts and our reactive habits is a practice of non-grasping, which is really, in some ways, what this whole practice is about. Cling to nothing. Nothing whatsoever must be clung to as me or mine. This is the freedom of the Buddha. No problem, right? That's a, it's an easy one. <laughs> Nothing whatsoever must be clung to as me or mine. That gets me every time. I'm like, really? <laughs> Nothing? If we are not our thoughts, then what are they? Zen master uh, Kosho Uchiyami, sorry, in opening the hand of thought, described him like this. It's one of my favorite descriptions of thoughts. You might try looking at all the stuff that comes up in your head as just a secretion. <laughs> all our thoughts and feelings are a kind of secretion. It's important for us to see this this clearly, right? I've always got something coming up in my, in my head, but if I tried to act on everything that came up, it would just wear me out. Opening the hand of thought. 
This is consistent with the teaching of the Buddha regarding the aggregates, right? All mental formations, wholesome or unwholesome, are dependent upon perception, which includes memory and can lead to grasping or aversion, which results in dukkha, suffering. So, you know, I have more. I was going to break down the five aggregates, but that could be another talk. This, from the Buddhist perspective, is all there is. These five aggregates. Not fixed, not permanent, always changing. Nowhere is there an I, a me, or a mine, yet we're so identified with it. And our thoughts get, can get so shaped around uh, uh, solidifying that, reminding us again and again, You're this, you're that, you're this, you're that. I heard the Dalai Lama say that thoughts are faster than the speed of light. That, uh, I don't know, he probably got some, you know, he gets all kinds of scientists nowadays, you know, some kind of scientist to clock the thought. <laughs> Faster than the speed of light. Just secretions, the tongue, saliva, pancreas, insulin, bile. What else? Secretions, sweat, thoughts. I heard Jack Cornfield once talk about it as the uh, blips of energy in the mind. I'll end with this. Well, actually, I'll end with two things from the Buddha. Uh, The Buddha on cultivation of mind. This is a quote from the Buddha. Develop a mind that is vast like space, where experience, both pleasant and unpleasant, can appear and disappear without conflict, struggle, or harm. Rest in a mind that is vast like the sky, Pretty clear. Maybe I'll just, I'll just stop there. I'll read that one more time. Develop a mind that is vast like space where experience, both pleasant and unpleasant, can appear and disappear without conflict, struggle, or harm. Rest in a mind that is vast like the sky. And that's enough for today. We're about out of time. Is that right? Yeah. So I guess, uh, you know, I'll open up for questions in a minute, but right now it's like this, you know. One of my favorite... uh, just to take all that into a nutshell is relax, observe, and allow. Can we relax into each new moment? Try not to get lost or tight or constricted around the story. 
And we observe what's happening without identifying. Just observe with what is. Stay in the what's happening and not getting into the what's happening about what's happening, what's not actually happening. Papancha. And allow whatever arises to stay for a time and pass away. This is really my practice. Relax, observe, allow. Whenever I get lost in a story, recognizing without judgment the little layer of compassion, oh, the mind does whatever the hell it wants. And what am I learning to do here? Relax, observe, allow. All right, thank you for your time and attention. And maybe if there's, is there time for a question or two? Or? Okay. Just if there is one. Yeah. Please. Oh, that's right. I might have an answer, actually. I'm not sure. <laughs> we'll see. During the day when my worries come, I can notice them. I note, ah, oh, I'm worried about that. Mm-hmm. And then let it go. But at night, I'm tormented by yeah. worrisome dreams about uh-huh. those very subjects. Any uh-huh. practice that would be helpful? Uh-huh. So are you, the question that I have is, are you uh, kind of pushing them away during the day, or are you uh, allowing them to, like, are you, you know, at least have a little bit of, little bit of air time? I always note what they are. Ah, okay. uh-huh. I'm worried about that thing. Well, that's an unknown. Uh-huh. I'll just keep working towards So it's the worry. Yeah. yeah. So worry, anxiety. Yeah, the stress. I'm trying to do something rather large. (laughs) Future. It's future, though. Yes. Yeah. That's been happening a long time for you. That's been happening for a long time for you. Yes, especially as I'm doing, I'm doing a startup thing now. That's got a lot of risk. Some worry. Yeah. About it not being successful. Yeah. <laughs> uh-huh. yeah. So there's some some meing there, some identification around it. There's some fear in there. Yeah, yeah. Um, dreams, they're just sleeping thoughts, you know. Yeah. Uh, but what the thing about dreams is that you remember when I talked about conscious, subconscious, unconscious, they tend to be in the more subconscious, unconscious realm. So if we're kind of not, not really acknowledging, or it sounds like you are acknowledging, but, you know, worry is worry. I mean, we just, I don't, I mean, what, like what I can really say, because then we have to end, is really that uh, as much as we can be present in the moment and actually allow the worry to come up, I would say just really let it, like in their waking hours, like take like an hour, and just worry. <laughs> just let it all out. Just breathe. Just meditate on what is... And then, but look underneath. What's the content? Because there's something else there. Otherwise, it wouldn't come back again and again and again. Thank you. Good luck. I think it's, so it's um, five that, after. Yeah, I think... Um, thank you. Uh, yeah. If other people want to ask Jason questions, perhaps they can come up. And this way yeah. we get temple cleaning done before Dharma Sprouts. Yeah. Thank you so right. much, Jason. Thank you. Thank you all.